Hey everybody, this is Kate. Thank you so much for tuning in to our episode on the Miss of Avalon. We are so excited for you to hear this. It's absolutely one of our favorite episodes. Before we begin, I just wanted to give a heads up to our listeners. This part one uh, does include references to the allegations of child abuse against the author Marion Zimmer Bradley. So that happens around the 11 minute mark and goes until about the 16 15, 16 minute mark. So if you'd like to skip that, you are more than welcome to. Uh, Carl and I just felt it was necessary to discuss that uh, as we as we go through this show. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Glastonbury. <laughs> what can I get for you? <laughs> the women, the witches, the lovely women. These women. <laughs> These women. Wait, I'm putting on something drapey. <laughs> Put on a shawl. Put on a shawl, light a candle. Like, let's get in the fucking game here, Carl. These women. <laughs> these women. I have so much to say about these <laughs> I know. And, like, honestly, like, I'm so excited to just hear you. <laughs> to just, like, be preached to by no. you. Oh, my God, hardly. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. I know shit about Arthurian legend. Like I know what I have been like told by like having a mother who was like into that kind of thing, who's like very big on British history. And then like the movie First Night. And who's that? Sean Connery and Richard Gere. Yep. And then who's the Guinevere? Is that Julia Ormond? yes there's so many it's literally it could be lena olin julia ormond or julia binoche that i'm thinking of yep it could be elizabeth mcgovern it could be <laughs> any of those women any of those one of those women which is so funny could even be I, andy mcdowell actually it's could it's even... probably andy mcdowell <laughs> wait let me look this up <laughs> i think it is julia ormond because she had a string yes. of like she had like a run of like Julia Ormond paired with like American like man playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. Yeah, Julia Ormond. So like that I think was my first encounter of the Arthurian myth. Oh, really? Was that movie? I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Um and then like I was so fucking into that King Arthur movie with Clive Owen and Kira Knightley. Oh, I am not surprised that you were very into that. I loved that movie. That was a big, I mean, I, I, I really do think Kira Knightley is like the, the epicenter of my sexual development. And that, that film played a, 
played a significant role in that. There is nothing about that that I do not like completely understand and read and like feel on like a very deep level for you. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. Like anything having to do with Kira Knightley, just. But also like Kira, but like the 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 specific Kira Knightley of like Kira Knightley as this like pagan queen, like pagan warrior archer archer (laughs) that's that's doing it for me yeah i was um i had like a bunch of these like you know those like kids classics and they were like hardcover and they were like really shiny yeah and like i had like anne of green gables and wizard of like all of those but i had like sir Gwen the green knight and um uh, like Arthur and the round table. And I was like, I remember flipping, like being in my basement of my old house, flipping through these books and being like obsessed with the yeah. picture of Morgan Le Fay, like the illustration Ooh, yeah, and, yeah, just yeah. Being like, and just being like, oh, her, I want to learn more about her. And yeah. then, you know, speed forward to like this movie coming out. And it just all, it just all kind of like made a shitload of sense to me. Yeah. I so part of my enjoyment of this miniseries, which we will name shortly <laughs> and right. like introduce, was like not only, you know, getting back in touch with my adolescent self who was like totally obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Yes. And uh and that movie King Arthur. Right. Like all that shit. But it was also an enjoyment of like imagining teenage Wiccan Carl watching this. Like Literally. teenage Wiccan Carl, whose whose entire personality is, is forged by stories of strong women like this one. Well, and I was like, I was on the edge of 13. It was this, it came out the summer before I turned 13. Yeah. Like it was just so, it mm. was everything I wanted from like any type of entertainment. Yeah. So of course I like, taped it off of tv and watched yes. it constantly like over, over. <laughs> yes like, i was like why am i even taking notes for this when i've watched it at least once a year since for literally the past 20 years yeah i'm no 30. this this is absolutely in like a foundational text for you it's it's so beautiful i should even well no i won't be that person but uh, well i have the so I have the jacket of the book because the book is sitting over there on my nightstand. But yeah. like like going out and like buying a copy of this book, but like I didn't want, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not gonna get the paperback. I'm gonna get this like opalescent, like pink dream. Wow. That's and a like, gorgeous cover. And like the weight of it, like this like 800 <laughs> page. <laughs> just like of just like lesbians and bisexual knights and like wicca and like goddess lore like i was just like like how how i could i could not have been any harder for this yeah 100 of of thing yeah so if you haven't figured it out yet we are here today (laughs) to talk about the 2001 miniseries, The Mists of Avalon. Yes. Starring Angelica Houston, 
Boom. Juliana Margulies. Boom. And Joan fucking Allen. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's just, it's almost too much to handle. <laughs> I'll tell you, Carl, I loved every minute of it. I'm so glad. You I did. loved it. I loved it. It's exactly the thing you want it to be. Completely. It's even more than that. I mean, so like Ashley and I were watching it and I was like, this is like so much more like fucked up sexually than I was anticipating. But in like, in ways that like, okay, now I like understand like how our culture like produced a show or like a series like Game of Thrones where like the only love like the, the the central most consistent uh romance in that story is between a brother and sister. I mean. Like the table was set by the mists of Avalon. Well, and it's so funny too, because like it does sort of like what she says at the end about um or or right smack dab in the middle, and she says, uh you took some. You took that love and like turned it into shame. You twisted like, our love into shame. Yeah, and it is great. Like I love the fact that the main love story in this is between Arthur and Morgane, but it's like it's only sexual because they get tricked. Right. You know what I mean? Like he knows he doesn't love Guinevere. He's like doing his duty and he's like marrying a virgin princess. Like he, right. you know what I mean? He's like King Char- or Prince Charlesing it. Right. Um, and I think probably the person he wants to fuck the most in this is Lancelot. Is Lancelot. And that's, Lancelot is very bisexual in the book. Cool. Yeah. It's like, well, we're very, getting very, like, like, I don't want to jump to. It's like very hot. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like lines in this where he's like, I've never loved a man like Arthur. And I'm like. Oh, totally. Honey. The king himself asked me to his bed. All three of you. And she is. Oh my god, her little fucking smirky quirky in that scene. She wanted it so bad. (laughs) She was like, "Well, I know how good my brother is in bed, so like, (laughs) how was it?" Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Her great disappointment is that the guy she fucked was her brother and not her cousin. Right. She was really feeling that cousin D. Not Which, like, I don't blame her. Michael Vartan is hot in this. Uh, never been kissed. Hello. Yeah, this was like this was prime Michael Vartan. Yeah, absolutely. Never been like pagan anonymous fucked in a cave. Yeah, because this was like never been kissed, early alias Michael Vartan, where you're like, ooh, yeah. I never watched alias. Me neither. Hmm. Um, there's something I want to address, but like, I do not want it to become part of like the discourse. So we can cut about it the author, about the author and yeah. like about the author's husband, basically. Yes. Well, and her. Well, and her. Yeah. I think, no, I, cause I agree. I, I think we do like need to address it. Yeah. So the thing to kind of put some context around all of this because we don't, I don't want us, I don't want him to think that we're like not aware of it or pretending this didn't exist, Agreed. but the author of the Mists of Avalon, Marion Zimmer Bradley in 2014, her daughter, Moira Grayland 
came forward and accused her of sexual abuse from the age of three to 12. Uh Uh, And her brother corroborated this and also, uh, and this kind of compounded um, allegations, or I I, I mean, I believe like convictions against um, Bradley's husband Mm-hmm. who was a pedophile right and uh Bradley and her partner and like like Bradley did nothing to to stop him from abusing children uh and even went so far as to um enable access to children their own and others um yeah. so it's, it's one of these things where, you know, as fans of the material, as readers of her work, as, and, and finding the ability to hold two truths at the same time, you know, oh, yeah. I think, you know, we're going to be talking about this piece and we're talking about the miniseries, you know, right. which is, which is very much a separate thing from the book, mm-hmm. but it's not done at the expense of that truth, you know, right. it's, and I think um, Bradley's publishers and the people who have created material that expands this universe. Right. Once these allegations came out so all of the, all of the sales of Bradley's books um, have been diverted to uh, donations to the charity, save the children. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and donations to Rain to the Rain organization, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. So I think that's I mean that's that's what you that's as as, as much as I think the literary world can hope can can do about it. You know, is is. Uh, acknowledge the legacy of this book, acknowledge the importance of the material she created. You know, there's, you have to be able to acknowledge that this was, this was a person who did monstrous things, Mm -hmm. who also created a pretty seminal feminist text. One billion percent. And, and both of those things are true. And, but I, I, I think that's the challenge. I think that's, you know, in this age where we're all so much more aware of these things and have so much more language about about how to talk about them, I think that's that's the challenge. So as we move forward with this podcast, we're gonna have a really good time talking about this piece of material yeah. that means a lot to you, Carl, means a lot to like many people I know. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this reality of who Bradley was complicates that that relationship you have to this text. But the experience you had with it when you found that book and you read that book and what it did for you, Mm -hmm. that's something completely separate from from who the author was. Um, Yeah, the the good it did for someone like me or like anybody else reading the book or watching the miniseries and and finding things that resonate that doesn't you know that doesn't cure or change what exactly Zimmer Bradley did in her personal life that was like awful 
Exactly. But yeah, I don't, we didn't want to not talk about that, but we want to, we're, we're talking about it insofar as like, we are aware of that. We're not, you know, the excitement we have about this material is not, is not felt without the awareness of, of that. Completely. The Mists of Avalon. The Mists of Avalon. Where did this premiere? Do you know? Was this a network thing? It was on TNT. TNT. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says that yeah. at the beginning. Very TNT. That's That feels correct. Which is so funny, because, like, that does not exist anymore, correct? TNT? TNT is not the thing anymore. Yeah, it yeah. is. Is it really? Yeah, TNT still exists. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't think they have, I don't know that they have original programming anymore. I don't know that they're making oh. new original programming. Hmm. But you can always you can always tune into TNT for uh, Law and Order reruns or The Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh, how funny! That's their whole vibe. Streaming hasn't <laughs> swallowed them up quite yet. Their slogan is "Boom," Hell which yeah. is really funny because I just said that about every woman we introduce. <laughs> wow. Yeah bonks um yeah so this is basically it's a it's a look at the arthurian legend the the matter of britain um that has to do with arthur looked at through the eyes of who you usually would see styled as morgan le fay morgan the fairy Mm -hmm. um who's usually like a pretty malicious figure in she's Arthur's half sister. And she's usually like a witch and she's conniving and all that stuff. Um, So it's looking at the story through her eyes, Morgane. um, And she's more of like a, like a pagan priestess, goddess worshiper, nature, religion woman. And she's, you know, aristocratic both on her, father's side her dad's the duke of cornwall and her mom is like the part of like the strongest bloodline of avalon which is like the ancestral home of the pagan religion yeah so it's like it's really witchy it's really tasty i get really into it yes there are so many there are so many like it's every now and again it strays into like delicious melodrama there are a couple moments that are pure camp and then sometimes it literally just grips me by the throat and it's just like oh you are so beautifully sincere that it like makes me cry like it's so i just i just love this miniseries so much the score the score is unreal yeah the costuming and hair design is un and like the makeup is unbelievable yeah 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 Talk to me. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, and I totally like, it was like all of these women like own gem shops in Denver, (laughs) like energy of the whole thing where I'm like, I'm pretty sure this like plays in the background of like every like witch shop. Completely. In like a mountain town. One billion percent. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like living for that. But then like, yeah, there's like truly sincere moments of emotion 
and like really good acting. Like Juliana Margulies is so good. She really is. She's so good. And um, I mean, Joan Allen, Joan Allen. Joan Allen. What can't she do? What can't she? (laughs) This is going to be our new, like, that's going to be just our tagline for like every episode is what can't she do? God, she's so good. And I mean, Angelica Houston. This is Angelica Houston, like, fresh off of Ever After, too. And you can tell. Yeah, she's still very much. Ever After was like 98, right? Yeah. Um, God, I love that movie. Speaking of 1998 and speaking of Arthurian miniseries, there's another one called Merlin that I was super obsessed with. Not the one, not the more recent. There was like that BBC series, Merlin. The show Merlin, where he's like a young. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the show. Yeah, where they're like young. it's, It's not that. That was that was difficult to watch. That was because I, yeah. I try to like visit every type of like yeah, yeah. Arthurian situation and and I try to let it just speak for itself. No. Um, but I was a little bit spoiled in my young years because we had, you know, Merlin in 1998 and then we had this in 2001 and they're just so good. Um, yeah. But in in that one, Helena Bottom Carter plays Morgan Le Fay. And, oh, she, fuck like, yeah. and she's like a total like goof and then she you know because magic she gets prettified and Mm -hmm. and fucks arthur but like she the thing is she like knows exactly who he is (laughs) like like she knows exactly what's going on and there's this wonderful like moment of you know these like sight things happen and like people yeah and it's like in the wax and you see like naked Helena Bonham Carter in like candle wax just going Arthur <laughs> and it's so gross but in like a really good way and um so Miranda Richardson plays Queen Mab and it's like tight that is tight she plays Queen Mab and the Lady of the Lake fuck yeah it's oh my so- god wait Oh my God, Lena Headey is in this as Guinevere? Is Guinevere. And she's so good. Sam Neill is Merlin. Isabella, wait, is it Isabella Rossellini plays um, yes. Norway? Yes. It's so good. James we, Earl Jones as the Mountain King. We have what to the do fuck this, is this cast? We have to do this next season because it is so good. <gasps> oh my God, we really do. Rutger Hauer. John Gilgood, mm-hmm. bananas. Martin Short, Martin Short is in this as someone called Frick. His name is Frick. Frick. What and like, the fuck? And Miranda Richardson, literally, when she plays Queen Mab, she has this like tiny little voice, and it's like so Good. crazy. Good. Like melon. <laughs> it's so oh wow. Cool. Yeah, we need so, to do that. We for sure need to do that. Yeah. But anyway, back to the Mists of Avalon. Yeah. This hot feminist take on Arthurian legend, and it's so good. It's so good. So I have a question now. Talk to me. So is the incest component of this, is that part of the original myth? Or, you know, yeah. like the Mallory myth? I think it's in I think it's in the Mort to Arthur, but it's it is like he but it's it's more as like 
she tricks Arthur into like getting her pregnant. Like he doesn't, he Got doesn't it. know what she knows. Is it's like not this like, fuck. it's not this masked. Right. Anonymous fuck. Right. It's like she glamors herself or like transfigures herself. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then, and she's doing it because she wants to like beget Mordred who will then like replace him as king. Got it. Instead of like where this is like, oh, it's this, it's this religious right. And like, neither of you are ever going to know who did what to whom. And right. You know, and it's all sort of coordinated by Vivian and Merlin. And Merlin. And they don't talk about this in the miniseries, but in the book, Merlin is a, um, is like a passed down title. Like the Merlin of Britain. Got it, got like it, got it. That makes sense. Given, given that. It yeah. does. So this Merlin is Vivian's father like her actual dad oh so that's why like if you know that and then you watch his i mean spoiler alert his death scene and her reaction to his death like so much more intense because that's a very emotional scene yeah but it's a matriarchal society so she you know she learned from him but they basically travel together as like a pair to like you know right wrongs and fight for avalon and like fix things that like have to do with the goddess and like they go around as like the high priest and priestess of their religion cool. but she's like the women get to choose right she's the, the powerful one right and the women choose like multiple partners and have as many kids as they want as oh, opposed yeah. to like a man having like his wifey and then having like a bunch of like bastard children cool she she like chooses when she gives life got it yeah it's really i mean which Mm. only makes sense like anyway we could get into that but yeah um yeah caroline goodall plays igraine morgane's mother and she's turning out a brilliant performance yes yes she's great especially when we when we catch up with her again after she's a nun Mm -hmm. yeah yeah my daughter? Oh my God. <laughs> so this, at, at where we begin, you know, first mm-hmm. of all, incredible opening line of, you know, everything you've heard about Morgane Le Fay is wrong. I should know, for I am Morgane Le Fay. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> the audience just gasps. Yeah. <laughs> um. um Loved that. And then, like, we get into this flashback of Morgane as a child. We get the little backstory, like, the Saxons are coming. Britain must be united under... you. Ha- we have to unite the Christians and the pagans to be a united Britain to stand up against the Saxons. Because they're mm-hmm. killing all of us. They don't care. They don't give a shit. So we need to get our shit together. Mm-hmm. And... So that is that is the 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 destiny they're trying that Vivian is trying to bring about is like finding the ruler that will unite Britain to defeat the Saxons, and that's going to be Arthur. So they roll up to Igraine's house where Morgane is a little girl, mm-hmm. and Igraine is like working at the. The loom. At the loom. 
working at the loom, Joan Allen, who She's is like weaving and spinning and rocking back and forth. Yeah, Joan Allen is like the aunt, like the spinster aunt kind of, who is like, I just want a husband. Which and is so funny because like in the, and I won't keep doing this, I promise. Please do. Like in the book, it spans like time a little bit. You know, you it's hard to sort of do that, but like she's like 15 when this happens. Yeah. More gauze. No, you can tell. You can tell that they're all supposed to be. I mean, that's the trick with the tricky thing with things like this. Exactly. Like Igraine is only supposed to be 19. Yeah. But like Vivienne, so since they had like different parents, like they had different fathers. Yeah. Vivienne is like 38. Like she's right. like older than her little sisters. Right. But um, yeah, it's so, it, God, Joan Allen, even in this like first scene. Let her have a vision. Mm-hmm. Let her have her vision, Morgane. And she's ready. She's a lover, a husband. husband. Like, tell me, Anything tell me, for me. Tell, me, tell me what's coming for me. And Vivian's like, you know what's coming for you, Morgos? Jack shit. Loneliness. You're getting your ugly husband at some point to be determined. <laughs> You'll get whatever's left. Be content with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. You'll get a gross husband and a gross life. But like a really hot son. Yeah. Like Gawain is Ooh. like. Oh yeah, Gawain. I thought you were talking about Mordred. And I was like, Mordred's pretty hot, but then I forget Mordred's he's not hot. actually her son. Gawain is super hot in this. Gawain is super hot. Everyone like Gawain is, is always hot. hot. I mean, the, he he is the Green Knight, right? Like, yeah. Is the Green Knight is is Gawain the Green Knight, or is it Gawain and the Green Knight? I thought Gawain was the Green Knight. I think he is. No, 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 no. Because Gawain no, it's and- it's Gawain and the Green Knight. The the Green Knight is like some kind of mystical thing. Oh, okay. I'm you know sorry. what? This is why I. It's Bertilac de Hot's desert. Hot we desert. wouldn't have these questions if A24 would just release The Green Knight, the movie that they've made with Dev Patel as Sir Gawain. Oh. I wouldn't have these questions oh. if you okay, gave yeah, me that movie. It is Gawain and The Green Knight. Okay. But yeah, no, Gawain is always like the hottest one, like other than Lancelot. Oh, completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... But going back to like the whole age thing and like mm-hmm. when thinking like this was a, this must've been a beast to try to like turn into a screenplay. I know. And they did such a tight job. It is they like, really did. There's like no moment that I think I watched some of the deleted scenes and it is like, it's so good that they, they had such a like vision of like, okay, what story do we want to tell? Yeah. And like in the book, a lot of the names are, are different or they're like pronounced differently. And they were just like, no, we're going with the basic pronunciation. We don't need people like feeling like they're jumping through ho- ho- uh, hoops or like hurdles, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Gavin Scott wrote the, yeah. wrote the teleplay. But I do love this opening, this like very Lord of the Rings, which came out after this, by the way. Like they must have been in like the same. Like, do you think yeah. somebody somebody from Mists like went over and listened to them 
writing yeah. Lord of the Rings. Somebody, somebody got a hold of the original Lord of the Rings screenplay and they were like, because she literally says like, it began with the blah, 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 blah. And I was like, come on, Morgaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Deep in the night. Yeah. Yeah, so then, yeah, then um, Merlin and Vivienne show up. Angelica yeah. Houston here with some drapey blues and mm-hmm. some white lady dreads. They have her styled to death and it is gorge. Styled to death. She, like this woman absolutely owns a combination gem shop and dispensary in Denver, Colorado called something like Satchel and Serafina. And which is a joke from what we do in the shadows, which is, it's my favorite joke they make that the the witches in that show, their like front is a, is a shop called Satchel and Serafina in Brooklyn. Um, oh my God. But you know, like this is the type of, this is the woman like you go into her shop. She has like all kinds of smudging bundles at the front, you know, all the different stones. Yeah. When you leave, she will cleanse this, your stones. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask. She's basically the woman in the craft. 1,000%. That, like, that shop. 1,000%. Like, same exact colors. Lirio. Li- <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can pull that name out of a hat. <laughs> you're, you're not like your friends. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. But um, no, this reminds me of when I went to Denver a couple years ago Mm. and did an edible and then drove through the Rockies with my friends. I was not driving, but we were like driving through the mountains, all getting like, like so pleasantly stoned, listening to Landslide by Stevie Nicks. And I just like started crying. I was like, I'm in this car with these strong women and we were driving through the mountains listening to Stevie Nicks. I was very emotional. And then we went to a gem shop and we all got rings, like little friendship rings. Aww. And we had them cleansed on our way out. Just some white witchery. Just some white witchery. You know, that's what the Miss of Avalon is like that. Like you watch this show when you want to get fully into your like Ren Faire white witchy bag. Mm-hmm. Completely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, oh, you needed some consecrated candles. I have some. Like, exactly. Yeah, completely. The goddess. The goddess. It was so, especially for me, it was like, <sighs> at that age like searching for something and like new like from the jump like christianity was just like not my bag yeah and i was raised i was raised catholic and just like it never it never sat well with me didn't agree with you it didn't agree with me it didn't it made no fucking sense Mm -hmm. um and then to like find this and be like oh no like i mean and i'd i'd been like dabbling for a while before in the dark arts dabbling in my little um my silver raven wolf books about witchcraft and like teen witchcraft like 
how-to books you know what I mean and then like this came around and I was like oh shit maybe this is like actually happening like on the rise like for real this time and it totally Um, was like that moment at the end where she's like future generations will will you know bring back the goddess as in her original form and I'm like honey this is 2000 like Wicca is here like bring her back Wicca was like such a huge thing at that time. And yeah. this, I like, there's no way that this miniseries was not made with an awareness of that, of like. Oh, completely. Oh, like we're, we, our audience has arrived, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And there, but there are like a couple things that I'm like, ooh, they kind of threw that into like, like appease the Christies. Like there are a couple moments. Yes. And I want to get into that more. I want to talk about all of them. Of like, I don't like the kind of confused things that the, that this miniseries is saying about the relationship between paganism and Catholicism specifically. Yeah. Because it's like weirdly very pro-Catholic in certain parts. Very much so. Um. So yeah, I want to get into... Mm-hmm. All of that. I do think that this, I mean, this is kind of, you know, a trope as old as time, but I think that this miniseries has a lot to say and like in kind of a cool way about fate and free will, like that whole thing of like finding your fate and then like exercising your free will. I think this miniseries does it really, really well because it's, it works within such a soft, like a soft magic realm yeah it's more just sort of like what thing is influencing the other thing instead of like here's my wand i'm gonna point it at you and like say a bunch of words right the the rules of the magic are are pretty loose yeah in a way that is good yeah it's you know oh did she make that thing catch on fire or is it because she knows (laughs) like you know putting a bunch of dry tinder out in the sun you know on top of a hot rock like I don't know right it's it's never sort of like explained that these things like even with like the sort of um cursing or like visions and like all of that stuff it's very like it's very sort of like how you think you would do it in like real life like I'm taking this piece of thing I'm writing your name into it I'm burning it I'm drawing this circle and like it, it it makes a lot of sense yeah in that way yeah and that's yeah i think there's like you see that in all the like like pieces of prophecy that mm. show up you know right. it's like there is there is that combined those combined elements of of free will versus versus like, what is what is destiny you know like even at the top you see that with like the uther Uther and Igraine stuff. Right. Cause like her husband tries to he tries to stop this prophecy by trying to kill Uther. Which right. is like there's nothing really magical at work that would necessarily keep him from succeeding at that, you know? I mean, she like she appears as this vision to Uther and is like, hey. Right. She like astral projects. Exactly. And there's like a lot of that in the book. Like there's this whole thing with Igraine and Uther where they like, they talk and then they like meet in like a dreamscape 
Yeah. And they like see themselves as like even more ancient priest, high priest and priestess. Mm -hmm. And they like have this like conversation. They're like, our souls have known each other and have coupled for ages. Like each age we meet each other again. And this is just another. So that's why he's like, why fight it? And she's like, no, like. I was told, you know, my whole life, I've basically been doing what everybody has been telling me to do. I told, you know, they told me to go marry Gorlois, who I've heard it pronounced Gorlois and Gorlois. Like they pronounce it Gorlois in the miniseries. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. But I know like in the audiobook they pronounce it uh, Gorlois, hmm. which is weird. But like, you know, she's she's constantly just being pushed around by like, Vivian and like whatever the Duke says and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And like Uther's like just give into it. <laughs> it's, right. It's fate. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing, like with her, because the thing is like it's fate. But even in that, there's the added component of like, there's a choice she makes in terms of like, am I gonna go against like like which which command am I gonna listen to? You know? Right. So so there is an element of free will there, like even though. Um, well, and she chooses you know. to not let him get killed by right. Cornwall. And I think that combination of like prophecy and destiny and free will. Yeah. Coexists in this, in this piece in a way that is like completely connected to the feminism of it. Totally. You know, that like, as much as these are like women on a path, Mm -hmm. there are still these moments where a woman is in a position to make a choice. And Mm -hmm. that however, how whatever the prophecy is, whatever their fate and destiny is, they still have the ability, they still have agency at pretty much every step of the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the Igraine Uther Cornwall thing shows that really well because yeah. there is no part of me that thinks, so like, blah, 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 Cornwall's dead, but like nobody but Uther knows, like, and Uther shows up at Tintagel in Cornwall. Um, with Merlin and Merlin changes his face to look like Gorlois right and gets in but like Morgane still sees like his tattoo and knows that it's knows that it's Uther yeah and there's no part of me that thinks that Igraine is like tricked no and I think that's why that tattoo moment is in there is that it's like ooh my husband's like she, back. Let's go upstairs. Husband like, that Igraine, I know is definitely my husband. Igraine wants to fuck Uther. She needs to fuck Uther. She's gonna Hell fuck yeah. Uther. Hell yeah. Um, and then like just feign surprise afterward <laughs> when like <laughs> right. the high king walks out but of her But it's interesting to me her. that like they don't show that interaction. They don't show right. like, like she sees the tattoo and then we basically cut to someone being like, where's my mom and dad? Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, they're in a different room. 
So it's like, clearly there's a scene happening elsewhere where he probably is like now back to being Uther. It's me. <laughs> and they're, and they're fucking like, I, I, I think it's really interesting that like the series doesn't show that, that interaction and kind of just lets you assume that like, yeah, he probably like unmagicked himself before they had sex. You would hope. You would hope. And, and you I would hope. Do- and that is definitely what I do think. Like, and I think at the very least, the fact that he has the tattoo is the signal to the audience that it's like, this is not like, you know, glamour rape. Like, she, Egrain will know that it's him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if he tried to, like, come in and be like, hey, it, it is me. It's the Duke of Cornwall. She'd go, mm-mm. And she'd I see your go, wrist, bitch. He'd wave her hand over his face and it would be Uther. And she'd be like, I'm still down to do this, but like, don't try to trick me anymore. <laughs> right. Because you can't. And right. that is like, I do love the moment when um, the real the real Cornwall is like talking to her and he's like, he's like, I'll teach you. And she goes, think before you strike a daughter of the Holy Isle. <laughs> or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Do not hit me because I will magic the shit out of you, boy. Yeah. It's really delicious. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, it is so nice to see these, like, like the whole thing is just completely driven by strong women. And it's like, just delicious to see. And like strong women with really complicated choices to make. Yeah. You know, and they're all very different because like Vivian is like, she's very complex. She's a bit of a villain she's like the pope of her religion and she needs to keep it alive like it's very clear to her that it is dying right but then like she has that great kind of moment of reckoning at the end where she's just like what have i done like at what cost you know like look at the lives that i've ruined to keep my religion alive well and it's basically like if as if galadriel had like taken the ring you know what I mean? Like totally. she's, she sees that that time of the elves is coming to an end. So she chooses yeah. not to fight it. And she chooses to go into the West and remain her purest like form of herself. Yeah. Instead of being like, no, I'm going to fight it and become the thing I'm trying to fight against. Yeah. And that unfortunately is what Vivian does is she like, she loses it's like Mildred Pierce. She, <laughs> to have it all, she had to lose everything. <laughs> I'm finding so many connections right now. This is gross. I love it. But also, let's not even gloss over the fact that this is yet another yet another iteration of like the adult fairy tale. I think that I mean Tolkien himself said like the adult fairy tale is a is a thing and it has a ravenous audience that is like waiting for, we love this shit. We, oh yeah. all we want are these like high, high art form, like high fairy tale um, yeah. storytelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, for fuck's sake, Game of Thrones was literally the biggest television show of the last like 15 years. They tricked so Until they completely into- shat the bed. If it had just stayed along with the books, like it would have been fine. Like we would have been fine. But those two con artists decided to, anyway. Such bullshit. 
it stops at season six as far as i'm concerned that's when like it like seven and eight just like sucked yeah they sucked because they complete like they abandoned so much of the the infrastructure of the world yeah you know they threw the rules out the window and you just saw how completely uninterested those creators were with this material anymore oh they wanted to go they wanted they to, wanted to go they wanted their star wanted wars jobs and they wanted um, a vacation and they wanted to end they wanted to end it all yep <laughs> so and they, they lost their star wars gig mm-hmm. and they lost that horrifying concept for that show uh confederate oh god like it's it's truly a testament to how bad that last season was and what and what true con artists Benny and Weiss were that like here we are a year into quarantine and you know of all the shows that everyone's been binging of all the shit everyone's been revisiting Nobody no one has Thrones. gone back to Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. It's no, still it, it's so tainted. Painful. It's so tainted because why bother going back to those early seasons when you know the fucking you know dog that. shit final season that it's going to end up with. You know the end. That everyone who who for 8 seasons you've been telling us that they are A, they turn around and for some reason in the last season are B. Right. Just out of nowhere. So I mean, much. I mean, like between fifty to ninety percent of the all of the all of the table setting of yep. who Jon Snow is, all like all this prophecy shit, all of this came Arian? to nothing. Half of Arya's plotline doesn't even fucking matter anymore. Half of Jon Snow's plotline doesn't fucking matter anymore. And Daenerys, let's just rewrite. Like, no, I can't. Please. I can't. I can't. Anyway, ran, ran the broken girl. My, I have like my I brain know. short circuits as you say those words. I have no words. But anyway, anyway, in this house, we respect Sansa Star, Queen of the North, and no one else. So completely. There you go. Utterly. She'd be a good Morgane. She'd be a good Morgane. She'd be a good Morgaz. She'd be, yeah. I have, well, we have, I have my I know, cast. I have my cast. We're gonna go, I we're have gonna, my cast. We'll get there, but we'll, let's do that there. at the end. Yeah, but that's, you know, I just think that it's a genre that up until, you know, the first five seasons of Game of Thrones has been sort of like kicked around in like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And like written off as sort of like a niche when it's like, no, people, people go crazy over adult fairy tales yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah we need more more mm-hmm. more give me more mm-hmm. uther's entrance is literally i do think that they had they had a mole inside the lord of the rings thing because uther's yeah. first entrance is literally vigo's entrance into um helm's deep oh yeah where he just goes through the doors yeah. and it's like slow motiony, but they just gave Uther dogs. Yeah. See, that felt very Game of Thrones to me. That was very Ned Stark. Yeah. Oh, okay. Too. Tight. Yeah. Um, but no, you can see how Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones were really influenced by by this story and this miniseries. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, Game of Thrones had already been filming, but it just hadn't come out. Or, excuse me, Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings yeah, was, yeah, yeah. had already been, like, filmed at this point, but it hadn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. But still, the intro, like, a lot of the costuming choices. Yeah. No, there's a real hive mind going on of, like, creating a high fantasy mm-hmm. stuff Zena. at this time. Xena. Oh, my God. We're ravenous. Mm-hmm. We, this is yeah. what this is the kind of stuff we want. Yeah. Like, God bless you, Marvel. But like, we don't. I don't care. I do not care. I do not. I mean, this is for sure the kind of stuff you and I want. <laughs> but right. a lot of people and a lot of other and a lot people. of people are like us. Well, and, and now I, it's coming back because now, like, everyone and their mother is doing D and D. Hmm. One of my students does it, and yeah. she's like, I, like I never would have pegged her as the type, but like. That's not- No, I'm like literally one of the only people in my groups of friends that does not play D&D. My brother is like super into it now and he's like gotten my sister-in-law into it. Like, yes, it's like a whole thing. Like people are really loving it. People are down. Yeah. Yeah. Because now we're starved. We don't have Game of Thrones anymore. We don't have, you know- And I wonder if there's something where it's like, everyone saw the end of Game of Thrones. We're like, wow, that fucking sucked. I let me go play so D&D and like, let me do the better version of this. You know, there was like such a feeling of everyone after that. I'd be like, I absolutely could have written something better than that. You know my, what my, okay. Everything else being what it was, you know what my ending would have been. Which is? With Bran and Arya. Where he like goes to Arya and he's like, I need you to do something for me. And he's like, I need you to like do the game of faces. And like, I need you to kill me and take my face. So when the Night King approaches me, you just stand up wearing my face and stab him and he'll never expect it because he knows yes. I'm like, he knows I'm like paraplegic. Right. And then Arya takes her brand face off and it's Arya underneath. That would have That would have been great. And you could have still had that same scene. Completely. Everything else being what it was. Right. And then you don't have to worry about the fact that this literal like, Google becomes king of everything. You have like Bran knows he has to die, but it's because he knows how he has to die. Right. And it, it's a sacrifice. And sure, you don't get this literal Google person walking around. Yeah. Being like, I know who you are and I know who you'll be. Like, yeah. you don't want that in a king. You want someone human. He Bran is well, no longer right. human. That's the thing <laughs> the where it's like. We're going to depose our scary sociopathic leader and replace her with someone who's not even a human anymore, is just information, has no emotion, has no sense of, you know, loyalty or, or care toward like people dying. Anybody. Anybody. You no, know, I'm like, I didn't care. What? It, what? It, it means nothing to him. Nothing means anything to Bran. No, because, so because he's Google. I know we could we could keep. Like it just we're uh, here to talk about some good screenwriting, which is uh, the Mists of Avalon. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, Bram um, the Broken. Samantha Mathis is here. Samantha Mathis is here. Samantha, Samantha Mathis, Mathis is here to be basic and to whine and to. Hey, can I tell you? I love that. Which her part in the book is so much more developed, and it's like so good. Yeah. And she's such a huge part of the book. But I like this full reversal of like, yes, Morgane Le Fay, 
fuck Guinevere. <laughs> oh, completely. <laughs> Utterly. Um, but that's another situation where you're dealing with this idea of the manipulation of magic versus the woman's agency. Yeah. Um, because part of what is like sad about Guinevere is that like Morgos like makes makes it makes it so she can't have kids or makes it so she can't have Arthur's kid. I think it's like a little bit of both. Because but it would that's what's like- interesting because it's like I thought the spell Morgos cast is we'll never have the king's son. Yeah. But then she is just like literally just struggling to get pregnant, you know? And like even when they have their weird threesome. They're she hot. doesn't even get pregnant, right? She doesn't get pregnant from Lancelot either. No, because right after that, she, she freaks out on Elaine and she's like, the queen has her courses again. Like, yeah. like I, I have my period and I'm pissed. Like, right. cause I went through all of this. Right. And, you know, in her, in her own eyes, right. she betrayed her husband. She betrayed her Christian values. Right. And that is where the choice comes into play because it's like, you know, Arthur basically is saying, like, if you want to fuck Lancelot, like, that's cool with me. Yeah, you're doing it right in front of me. And I'm going to fuck him, too. And we're all going to fuck. Like, we are down. We are right. all going to kiss. Right. But Guinevere yeah. is, like, not into the polycule. Huh? Guinevere is not into this polycule setup that Arthur is pitching to her. I know. But then she gets very into it. I think she gets into it, like, while it's happening. She's like... But then afterward is like, I don't know that I... Well, she's bummed. She's got that like Christian. That. She's got that Catholic guilt. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, if, ooh. If you don't know, guys, if you want to, if you want a wild time, hook up with an ex-Catholic because it is like we are we are twisted in the sack. <laughs> Fuck. Because the whole time you're like admonishing yourself about it, but you're also like getting really into it. Yeah. What's the? Isn't there a, an Alanis Morissette song that's like? You know how us Catholic girls can be. <laughs> I don't know that so, one. We make up for so much time a little too late, girl. You have to listen to that. <laughs> I have to look that up. Yeah. Samantha Mathis is here. <laughs> Samantha Mathis is And is that is here. very that is very specific. That is very like of its time they were not they were not joking about that casting yeah same with um edward adderton as arthur arthur like he is somebody who who worked talked about okay keep going sorry (laughs) i just freaked out but like keep going but he's just like he is somebody who had a career in the late 90s in early 2000s and then just stopped and then like 2005 he was like okay i'm done yeah and went into the west like like all like all good elves yeah we haven't talked about okay so like faces of people that are in here who do we see in part one but little Freddie Highmore. Oh my God, playing, I know. When I saw Arthur. him in the cast, I was like, is he a baby in this? Like this kid has been 14 for the last 20 years. He was literally like five years old, like four or five years old. He's like, he's like, a, like genius because yeah. 
he's very good for like and being he, a tiny kid. Tiny kid. He was giving you full tears. He was giving you like wiggle oh chin. He was acting. He was acting. Okay. He still okay. looks 14. But. As like a. Oh, still today. You like mean? to this day. He oh, looks, yeah. He still looks 14. That's why I was like, how old is this man? I loved him in Bates Motel. I, I thought that that show was like borderline great. I have to watch that again. It was very crazy. Like it yeah. was like. Like crazy levels of crazy, but really, really good. Yeah. And Vera. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. Oh God, I love Vera. She's someone that I would toss into into one of these roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, could, yeah. I could see a Vera Farmiga. And... I could see her as Vivian. Yeah. Vivi. Vivi. So, uh, the elephant in the room. Oh. Arthur and Morgane are fostered separately. They are. So Igraine has Arthur with Uther. Arthur with Uther. Mother, brother, Arthur, Uther. <laughs> yeah. Father. Yeah. He and Morgane are fostered separately. Yes. She at Avalon, he up north in the Scottish Highlands. With um, Merlin. Huh? With Merlin, yeah. With Merlin. He went to, uh, uh, oh, damn, what's that? I was going to make a funny joke, and now I can't remember the name of the place. The um, the school that like Prince Philip went to. I can't remember I can't the name remember. of it. Colditz and kilts. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so they get fostered separately. They both come of age. There's a beautiful training montage. <laughs> um, that happens, and but wait, course, we're skipping the moment where we meet the titular mists. Well, that's that's what I'm getting to. Oh, I'm sorry. Morgane, Morgane is tasked with parting the mists of Avalon. Yeah. In order to get to Avalon, you, you're on the lake. You see Glastonbury, which is like the, you know, the home of the Catholics. Yeah. And in the mists, if you don't know how to part the mists, you can't get to Avalon. But if you know how, then you can. And you're like granted access. Right. So she, you know, Vivienne shows her how when she's a kid and then like her final task which is apparently I don't know why this is like the hardest thing to do but apparently it is is she's tasked with opening the opening the door to Avalon Mm -hmm. and she does it and it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. Juliana Margulies is standing in the front of the the little boat and she raises her arms up and in a gentle googe brings him down and all the mists float away and you see this gorgeous island and it's just really lovely. An island that I feel like they used as heavy inspiration for, oh, what the fuck is the island in, in Wonder Woman? Them- Themyscira. 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 Yeah, it's very... Um, Columns and women. Just looking at the pictures, like, from... Like, it's very clearly... Uh, inspired by Avalon. Yeah. Kind of the same concept too. Yeah, totally. Is like a here's this here's this fantasy island with only women. Which and there are supposed to be men there but it's like it's a matriarchal society. Right. Like right, right, right. 
the only men you really see here are like the boat, like the oarsmen and like Merlin. Yeah. Um, right. But I do love that in this version, the men are like, the men are like crazy vulnerable and like are not afraid of saying it like right out loud. Yeah. Like they're all like, like, oh, I'm so sad. And like, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's, it's really sweet to see them just sort of, I don't know, defer. For sure. Yeah. It's really tight. Then we meet Lancelot. He's hot as fuck. Yeah. Lancelot shows up. Literally like right after. Right after yeah. she learns how to part the mists, because then she's she's told to like go get go fetch him, as like an errand. Mm. Yeah. And then Guinevere, what like astral projects? Oh, so yeah. Here's the deal. He tells he tells Mama uh, Vivian that he's not gonna he's not gonna stay in Avalon and like become like a high priest or whatever. Because I think that the original plan was to have him and Morgane take over. Like, he would be the next Merlin and she would be the next Lady of the Lake. Got it, because he is Vivienne's son. Yeah, and he's, right, right, right. he's like, very much old world, old school. Yeah. Um, and I bet Morgane is, like, that's a good deal. And she's, like, totally into it. She's, like, yeah, I'm ready to fuck. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's, like, no, I'm gonna go, like, fight and I'm gonna, like, join Arthur and, like, I'm gonna go get my, my gig with him. Yeah. Um, and she's like, fine, then go up to the stones, like these very like uh, stonehenge stones on the top of the island. Um, you can say your goodbyes from there. And I think that the, the idea is that he's gonna go up there and feel the power of the ring, the ring of stones and like be there with Morgane and like fall in love with her and fall in love with Avalon again and stay. Yeah. Um, but instead, they see like the nuns walking, and the nuns can't see them because of the mists, and they're they're not able to part them. And then he's sort of like, "Haha, Morgane, why don't you like part the mists and like let me see this nun?" Um, and so Morgane does, and Guinevere's like, "Oh my god!" Like being super basic, and just being like, "What? Who are you?" <laughs> and so they meet, and it's very like again like fate or free will like Lancelot and Guinevere just get like zoop they like look at each other and it's like game over yeah um so then Morgane sees this and she's like ew I'm done with this basic whore so she closes the mist again and like Guinevere's just like standing there like Lancelot where'd you go (laughs) it's like shut up Samantha (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's tight. It's like, it's so tight. So then like Lancelot goes off and he like disappears. And then, and then, and then it's bow, time, bow, 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 bow. time, time for the Beltane feast. <laughs> Beltane feast. Yes. We're going to grab a turkey leg and a flagon of ale and just whip some fire around. Watch these two crazy kids go at it in a cave. Hunt a stag. And have some fertility rights in a cave. Anonymous pagan cave sex. Anonymous cave pagan cave sex. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's like, it's like a fertility right where Morgane uh, is like the chosen Yeah, one. she's the, the virgin huntress. The virgin huntress. And uh, 
that means she gets like some cool body paint and like a, a, nice a very some nice henna and like a cool mask like her mm -hmm. mask is cool it is really beautiful um and they bring her to a cave where she is to await the hunter and it's like there's like a stag hunt and whoever kills the stag is gonna be is gonna come in and uh and bed her mount, mount her yeah mount her uh you know and his mask is fucking horrifying talk talk to me about his mask i hate it i really don't like it it's very <laughs> upsetting to me it's like super scary to me i really hated it and I was like very bummed it. out that he wore it while they were having sex. I get why, because it would have been worse if he'd taken it off. They're like, it's your brother. Well, but again, they haven't seen each other since they were kids. So like, would they even recognize each other? Because like, she thought that Lancelot was Arthur at first. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like they, they literally are looking at adult people. Right. They don't know. That they don't recognize. Fuck. Yeah. But. I mean, I wonder if part of why the mask is so upsetting is that it's like, we don't want you to be like too into this sex scene. Right. But they do want us to be into it. But they do. This is the thing. This is the question that Ashley and I have, where it's just like, do you want me to be into this brother and sister hookup? Because I'm ready to go there with you. Like, if I will go there with you, I spent eight seasons of that piece of shit show, genuinely like emotional about Jamie and Cersei. Like, I hope these two crazy kids make it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was, like, very down for their, like, Romeo and Juliet tragic. Totally. Tragic doom. Really? They came into this world together. They are going out of this world together. Right. It was, like, a bad scene, but I was, like, the whole time I was, like, oh, I hope Jamie and Cersei get, like, a decent emotional ending. So it's, like, it's not, like, I, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna write an incest plot well and like invite me to support it like i'll go there with you if you're asking me to do that i can do that yeah uh this this show doesn't know if it's asking me to do that but also neither really did game of thrones they i was just like just commit just like fucking commit well it's so funny because yeah the the camera is not saying the same thing as the text because the text is like oh three people in one bed this is an abomination but then it's like hazy hot lighting and like just like side boobs and like muscular like arms right. and like and, a even, and like and even the said, acting like what? every time uh arthur and morgane are like in a scene together there's like so much sexual tension between them and you're just like well, what am i meant to think what am i supposed to be reading from this they're 5,000% the love story, whether they had sex or like, e even if that sex scene didn't happen, they are the love story you're watching. But like, right. it's more of like a brotherly and sisterly love story. Yeah. But the fact that they do have the sex scene and it is like, that is the threesome is filmed that way. The, the hunter and huntress cave sex is filmed that way, where it's like, look at this leg. Oh, that's a nice leg. Look right. at him like thrust into her. She's super into this. Like nowhere is there like weird music saying like this is wrong or like she has a look on her face like something's not right about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. No, it's just super hot. <laughs> it's just like hot anonymous sex. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the thing. Like it's 
you know, if you're going to write an incest plot, you need to commit to what you want me to think of it. Right. Have a point of view. Right. And I think like the text, the text is definitely like, you know, they're so, they're upset about it. Rightfully so. Because part of it is also like the trickery of it, that they're so disgusted that this happened right afterward but then as the show goes on you're like maybe let's fuck on purpose next time (laughs) i didn't quite get that but i i know what you mean what between guinevere or uh between arthur and uh morgaine like i never really got like ooh, we should totally do that again vibes there's definitely moments where they're conflicted about it there's definitely moments where they're like, damn, I have complicated feelings about you right now. As my sister lover. My father lover brother. <laughs> right. But no, but then that, but the scene where, where she realizes. I mean, well, yeah. So then she, Ooh. she has the raft of shame and she yes. like, she has like JBF, uh, hair and she like takes her mask off and she gets like floated (laughs) back to Avalon um and then like you know of course she's pregnant because again on tv you have sex one time and you get pregnant doesn't matter yeah um and then they're like go to Camelot like yeah see what's doing over there enjoy, enjoy your time and she goes and meets Arthur you know supposedly for the first time since they were children. Yeah. And he tells her about this hot time he had in a cave with a huntress <laughs> in a mask. And her face is and just like... It is. <laughs> uh... He goes, no, no, it yeah, wasn't Yeah, and cool. he... Um... He leaves. And then he also, in that same scene, he's like, oh, and also that woman, Samantha Mathis, over there. Um, <laughs> because have you met Samantha? <laughs> hey, Samantha, come here. I want you to meet my sister. Uh, I'm going to marry Samantha Mathis. Yeah, he's marrying her. And of course, like, Morgane is like, this is a lot of information that I have just received. And like Lancelot's there. It's just like everything. She's like, I need a fucking minute. (laughs) She does. And she goes into the the room and there's like this blinding white cross on the wall. And she just starts sobbing. Like like the second Arthur leaves, she just like turns and like leans against some stone and starts crying. She's like, oh my God, I (laughs) fucked by my brother. But um... So of course she's pregnant. Uh, yeah. She confronts Vivian. Sorry, she yeah. Yep. What and that's that say? great scene. That's that great scene. She she tears her a new one. She mm-hmm. says, "I you renounce tw- you." You twisted our love into shame. All for the sake of your beloved Avalon. Yeah. And she says, "I gave my." My vows were to her, not to you. I renounce you. And it's like so great. And she's like, I'm never seeing you again. I'm never coming to Avalon again. And like, 
literally Vivienne go like shove it up your pie hole because I'm not yeah. having it. Yeah. And because Joan Ellen is like, here, have like a cup of abortion. And she's like, yes. she's like, I really want to do this. And Vivienne's like, don't do it. I mean, again, I mean, my God, the choice, choice. Choices. Choices. <laughs> choices. Well, and the fact that like, <laughs> abortions are not like a new thing. Like, no. Wi- like women have been helping each other uh, with getting pregnant and getting unpregnant since since women existed. So, right. Like this is just it. Oh God, I'm not gonna get. What do they call it in Petty thing. Dreadful? Patty Lapone's character. She's the cut wife. The cut wife. Yeah. That's what a lot of. I mean, that's a lot of witchcraft lore is about. Like women who gave abortions. And like yeah, blaming blaming women yeah. and like hunting literally hunting women down yeah that was um that's like in that that scene in uh portrait of a lady on fire where they go to like the little bonfire with the coven and it's like you go to the bonfire you hang out with the witches you sing some acapella and you get your drugs and you make an appointment for your abortion right like do you want to get pregnant do you not want to be pregnant anymore okay cool we can Sophie, let's head down to the beach, meet the witches. We'll get you some herbal tea and we'll talk to the abortion provider and get you set up with her. And we then we're going to sing some songs and finally be gay. I just, you know, I, I do not understand why people want to politicize people's genital health and like it just makes me so mad it was all this time tail is all this fucking time and you know what <sighs> Ooh, no well am i gonna go there who knows like fuck these christians like fuck yourselves i mean this is the thing where i'm like what are you tr- like what am i what are you trying to convince me about about you're Catholics. Fucking, you're fucking 10 day old religion. Like, go fuck yourself. Thank you. Literally, I have trees Mother in my Mother goddess, backyard. shut the, like. I have trees in my backyard older than your religion. Go fuck yourself. Right, right. Anyway. Yeah, the Catholic, the weird like undercurrent of Catholic propaganda in this is like a question mark for me. Okay, so that's where, that's where I get hidden, hidden valley, <laughs> hidden valley ranch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's that kind of opaque for me. Yeah. Um, is like she goes into this room after she has the big fight with Viviane, and there's like a huge cross on the wall, like shining light on her. Like, right. oh, you you denounced Avalon. Like, here's some light. And then there's another moment where like the cross turns into Excalibur, which yeah. part, part of that was I was like, oh, it's showing like the power of Avalon over the um, passivity of like Christianity where it's like, we'll just wait and see what happens. Like, it's not like an, whereas like nature religions, it's more of like an active thing. Like sure. um, having an altar and doing spells is just, is just prayer with tools. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's the ritual. So it's like an, it's an active ritual instead of like, dear God. Hope for the best. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Dear Manifestation God. versus faith. 
you know? You're using that thing. And Catholicism actually has a ton of like weird, like pagany rituals that like they they changed the names of and now they're not pagan anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. midnight masses and using incense and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, I always liked that thing of like changing the cross into Excalibur. Like Excalibur is not a thing. It's like an idea. So like if you are, if almost like the sword of Gryffindor, like if you're worthy, the sword will like show itself to you. Right. Instead of like, let's all line up and go to this place. So the idea of Arthur finding Excalibur and the cross transforming into Excalibur is like Arthur is worthy of seeing the old religion in the new, like that he, he can have access to, to both. To both. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, how that's I why was. he's the destined King, you know, that like, he's, that's he's the one who can bring mother and father together. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot, I mean, and let's talk about, there's a lot there of like, pushing away your female deity and like only talking to this one deity and like at the beginning Morgane is like totally okay with being like nope everything's in balance it's like having a mother and a father like right to make this baby like you have to have both well and I think it's interesting how like with Guinevere and with Morgane you see like the matriarchal system and the the women responsible for maintaining it or whatever like you, you see the creep of the patriarchal society over, over the mother mm-hmm. because those two women, Morgane and Guinevere, are made to feel such shame about and, and, and are made to feel um, monstrous in yeah. some way for their uh, ability for their their status as mothers you know that like yeah. Morgane is a mother of an abomination you know like she's she's a mother right. through incest so that's yeah. that's against nature Guinevere can't get pregnant so she is a monster in the eyes of nature she is a a uh you know yeah, aberration like- like a failure, both as like a queen, as a wife, as a woman, as a mother. as a woman, right? That she's she is somehow, um, you know, sub, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and how that shame kind of subsumes them, and pushes them toward Catholicism, right? Which is weird because that's not what happens in the book. Okay, but anyway, um. Yeah, you see Igraine, Morgane's mother. She just kind of ages into it. Mm -hmm. But even for her, there's still some shame at play where she's like, oh, I did all these things. Right. I was pushed into, you know, being with Uther. And I think it comes more from like her years as being the wife of Cornwall and being like being a Christian wife. And she's like, you know what? It's going to, that's going to be the place that's like going to take me in no questions asked kind of and like but it's also I don't know it is like a it's weird how they sort of like push this sort of Christian slash Catholic agenda um it's the idea that once a woman is like like, sorry I don't I was just saying like I don't want to skip ahead to the end but like no I know we kind of have to in order to like talk well so then like let's put a pin in this conversation let's like let all this swim around of these ideas of like 
once the women are like shamed, they are like cut off from access to Avalon, whether that's true or not, like they feel, uh, they, they turn to Catholicism for. They either blame Avalon or they, uh, just cannot access it anymore. Right. Right. Uh, and then, and that, and Glastonbury is there as like the haven for when you are rejected from Avalon. Right. And I'm like, what? What do we do with that? A lot of one, unpa- lot to unpack about that. Yeah, and that's not how I read it in the book. Like that's no, not I can't book. think. I can't imagine that that is what the story is. That that's that is in any way that what the story is trying to make you take yeah. away, um, or at least even if that is what how you interpret it, you're not supposed to interpret that as like a good thing. You know, that's right. It's, the the tragedy is that. Um, is the loss of this religion. When there's no home to go to, what home do you choose? Exactly. Mm, mm, I like that. Yeah. Well said. Oh, Minkum. Um. So let's wind down part one with that, with those ideas in our heads. Yeah, and let's come back frosh. We'll come back frosh. We'll talk about, because this is when we get into like Joan Allen kind of stepping up. She attains her full form she yeah. reaches um she arrives as the real villain as the real agent of chaos even though i don't really think like she's a villain i like love morgos because she's like i'm gonna give you an abortion because like fuck avalon fuck vivian this sucks well i'm not also, gonna make you have this baby but she doesn't know that it's arthur's until later oh that's right but but still okay, she's well, like she's like oh you don't want your pre- oh it's an unwanted right pregnancy. at the very least she's still like the cool feminist aunt who's like, you don't want to be pregnant anymore? I can help you with that. Oh, cool. Let's That's just it. Be, let's just be intelligent women and like take care of this. Like, right. Like I don't, don't need to know who the father is. You, you don't, don't want to have that baby. Beyond, you don't have to have that baby. You don't need to explain it to me beyond I'm pregnant and I don't want to be. That's all you need to say. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um Sorry. there's also I also um want to bring about one of my favorite lines is in uh, Morgane's narration when it's the part where Morgos is like doing the the spell to to curse Guinevere and there's like no real explanation for why Morgos hates Guinevere so the narration just goes my aunt Morgos used magic against a woman she decided to hate it is so like, wow that is literally the most relatable line in this entire thing completely she just decided to hate guinevere it was like i'm gonna make her completely infertile she's like i don't like the cut of her jib this bitch is going down samantha mathis Sorry, i don't like samantha. this samantha <laughs> i don't Sorry. like this samantha at all samantha <laughs> um no literally but i mean it is more because she's like line of succession like she yeah. wants her kids to take over but but it is hysterical that they literally put it that way in Morgan in Morgane's text. Right. Like right. a woman she decided to hate. <laughs> I love that so much. Like why not? Why not? Yeah. I'm I, bored. I'm gonna curse way. somebody. I oh Guinevere, I fucking hate that. <laughs> That's like what she says like to anybody who will listen. Do you see what the High Queen is wearing? She sucks. 
I fucking hate her. Yes. So much. It's like, oh my God. He's marrying her? Her? Literally, Samantha from the block. Samantha. He's marrying Samantha. Not my high queen. (laughs) Not Not my my high high queen. queen. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Well. Meet back here for part two? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see you back here for part two to talk more about uh, the chewing every bit of scenery in his wake. Hans Matheson. Oof. My God. He, but in like such a good way. Oh yeah, no, he's delicious. He's really good. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it. All right. Okay. More Beltane feasts, more confused Catholicism, and more hair plating. Some threesomes. White no. white people dreads. A lot of, lot more white people dreads. All to come in part two.